a desert planet with twin suns. Why do I sense we've picked up another pathetic life form? Use my knowledge. Much to learn, you still have. Welcome back to Twin Sun Talks Regs. I'm your host, Jonah Liu. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, I just want to shout out anybody who has been listening uh, consistently and has been keeping up with this podcast. I really appreciate your support. Uh, It's not easy to build a following, and it's actually quite difficult. And I'm trying my best. I'm really trying to work out a way that I can uh, put this out on all streaming platforms. I just am trying to figure out a way to uh, get a steady flow of cash into this thing uh, before I can do that because I don't really want to be putting cash into this and not be getting anything out of it. So I'm just funneling cash into it, and that, that's just not a, not a desirable thing for me. But I am trying to get that nailed down soon, hopefully, uh, so that I can reach a broader audience, hopefully in the future. Uh, that being said, today we're talking about uh, ships to know from the original trilogy. And so if you're not familiar with that terminology, the original trilogy refers to the first three movies that were released by George Lucas uh, back in the 70s and 80s. Uh, so this is a New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi, episodes 4, 5, and 6 chronologically, which I know is a little bit confusing. But this, these are the original movies, hence the original trilogy. And I was just going to go through the major ships, uh, starships that you should know from this period of time. So let's just dive straight into it. Gentlemen, who wants to be an ARC trooper? I do, sir. Welcome back to ARC trooper training, folks. Um, so, like I said, today we're going to be going over major uh, original trilogy ships. So, first of all, I'm going to start with the Empire side of things. So, for those of you who are not familiar, the Empire were the bad guys, at least from the point of view of uh, the protagonist within uh, the Star Wars galaxy at the time. And so, the Empire was a galactic regime that took over uh, after the... Um, uh, the Republic was reformed into this empire uh, by Supreme Chancellor Palpatine after the Clone Wars ended. Um, and it uh, was essentially just a very authoritative and imposing regime that uh, really uh, had their priorities set on galactic order at the expense of freedom. So the major components of this Imperial Navy, as it's referred to, would be the Star Destroyer. That was kind of what their navy was built around. And these Star Destroyers are the big triangle-shaped ships uh, that are essentially just big fortresses that uh, house many, many troops at one time. They're Venator-class Star Destroyers that were upgraded from the days of the Clone Wars. And they're just massive troop transports that often operated alone rather than either alone or in fleets they didn't have too many companionships with them um and they are probably the most iconic imperial ships aside from maybe tie fighters which i will talk about later but there are a couple different um variations of star destroyers we have the uh the standard ones which you see like that's one of the that's the first imperial ship that you see in episode four a new hope where it's just a triangle with the bridge with the two shields uh, on top and the uh, shield generators on top, and it's it's the most iconic. There are also Super Star Destroyers, which are even bigger um, 
that you see uh, in Episode Six, uh, Return of the Jedi. And I just like to say that starships are not what I'm best at when it comes to uh, Star Wars. I'm not gonna lie, uh, I don't have too many details to go into about all of these different ships. Um, but I just, I know the names and I know generally how they were used. So we're just going to be going into that. I will recommend a Star Wars YouTube channel that I follow. I've plugged, uh, Star Wars theory quite a bit, but for my Imperial or not Imperial, but like Star Wars starship slash, uh, space battle strategy type, uh, content. I go to Eckhart's Ladder. Uh, they're really fantastic. He's the one with the doge as uh, his um, little profile on YouTube. And I think that he's a really, really cool source uh, for info. I would say that Star Wars Theory is my favorite uh, Star Wars YouTuber, but Eckhart's Ladder is one that I have been following very recently and has definitely given me a lot of great information that I've used uh, to share with y'all on this podcast. So if you're interested in that, once again... Just don't stop listening to me, but feel free to also listen to them. Just remember where, like, remember, stick to your roots, me, but also enjoy other people because this is a big community and people uh, have different strengths with where their knowledge uh, is the most uh, useful. And so I know that mine isn't necessarily in this arena, but I know that I can give a lot of good basic information. So we got the Super Star Destroyers, which are absolutely massive. We see them in episode six return of the jedi and then we have interdictor star destroyers and these are actually only seen in star wars rebels we might see something similar to them actually shoot maybe they're present in episode five i'm not entirely sure but they're they essentially have these giant uh bulbous um attachments to them which are able to pull ships out of hyperspace and so they're extremely effective and extremely powerful and extremely dangerous uh, for those traveling in hyperspace because you could, you were essentially a sitting duck whenever you got pulled out. It was very sudden and uh, not, you didn't really have any warning from it. So uh, moving forward from Star Destroyers and their different classes, we have TIE Fighters, which were the second, or I'd say even more prominent just because of their sheer number, but uh, probably slightly less iconic, if not just as iconic as Star Destroyers, but they're the ones that do their little... That was a terrible, terrible impression of a TIE fighter, but you kind of get the gist. They have like a little like shriek as they fly through space, even though there's no sound in space. But they kind of look like a bow tie almost, which is how you can remember them. Uh, they, they're the ones with the two platforms on the outside and the little uh, pilot's bulb in the middle. And they were the attack fighters that accompanied these Star Destroyers that were the main uh, capital ships. And these TIE fighters were super fast and very uh, sensitive to maneuvering. And uh, they didn't have shields, which was a very big drawback. And they also didn't have hyperdrives. But uh, they were very effective and very hard to shoot down. Um, we see these in all of the original trilogy movies. Uh, we see them especially in um, the final uh, Death Star run in Episode Four: A New Hope. Uh, and there are a couple different classes of um, Tie Fighters. We have Tie Fighters as we know them, uh, which are just the two platforms with the the cockpit in the middle. Then we have Tie Interceptors, which are have like more triangular wings. 
Uh, we have TIE bombers, which were capable of uh, dropping photon bombs uh, or just regular bombs and uh, causing massive amounts of damage. And then we have Darth Vader's iconic TIE fighter, which had the curved wings. Um, and so all of these were uh, different variations of um, uh, the, the basic TIE fighter design. We also had Imperial shuttles, which we see uh, transporting Chancellor or Emperor Palpatine at the time uh, onto the Death Star. Uh, we also see uh, that the Rebels have commandeered one of these, um, codenamed Tiderium. For anybody listening, Tiderium is the name of that uh, Imperial shuttle. And I will know, just okay, for those of you listening, I will know who has listened to this podcast of my guests that I have on this show because at some point, that will be a rank of master question. Just throwing that out there. I will ask someone, what is the code name of the commandeered Imperial shuttle that we see in uh, its episode six, Return of the Jedi, and it is named Tiderium. And I will ask that as a rank of master question eventually. And someone will, if they've listened to this podcast, then they'll know it. It's Tiderium. I've said it many times now, but I just want to say that and I'll be able to call them out if uh, they get it wrong. Anyways, uh, that's what they are. They were essentially just transport ships for high-ranking um, Imperial officials. Then we also have light cruisers, which are essentially scaled-down versions of uh, Star Destroyers, which were uh, used uh, more in fleets. There were probably two of them in a given sector and uh, were just put into effect whenever a full Star Destroyer wasn't necessary. And uh, there were also, like, different transport vehicles that were able to, like, carry TIE fighters through uh, hyperspace and stuff like that, which I'm not really going to get into. They're a little less prominent. So that's all that I really have for the Imperial side. I'm going to switch over to the Rebellion side. First off, we have X-Wings, which I would say are arguably the most iconic Rebel ships. Uh, they're the ones they uh, aptly named. They look like, they sound, they have the wings that have the crisscross X-shape. They are very prominently... Uh, featured at, at the end of A New Hope uh, during the attack on the Death Star. That's what Luke flies. Um, and they are, I would say, just the most iconic. I think that they need very little explanation. Y-Wings. They were utilized in the Clone Wars and then carried over into uh, the original trilogy. They were primarily bombers. They utilized photon torpedoes. And uh, they once again, look very much like the letter Y. They have the two uh, boosters in the back. They were also present at the uh, first battle of the first Death Star. And uh, very iconic. Then we have A-Wings, um, which uh, were more attack-based, uh, quicker fighters, which we see like Phoenix Squad all flew A-Wings uh, in. Um, that was Star Wars Rebels. Um, then we have B-Wings, which are uh, also... They're a little less prominent, but they're, they're kind of like... They have a very strange shape to them where there's a cockpit on one end and then just a very uh, long ship. And then they, they were very maneuverable, though, and they had rotating... They, they had The ship was able to rotate around the cockpit as the focal point, which was a super interesting design. Uh, U-Wings, we really only see in Rogue One, but it's a super cool ship design with the wings that uh, kind of go all the way out and then they fold back in and it kind of looks like... a a little two-pronged fork. Um, and that's really all of the different wings. This is another... Okay, dude, I'm giving y'all so many rank of master questions right now. 
And once again, if you listen, future guests, then you'll know these questions. But one of the questions is going to be, I'm going to list out uh, two options. I'm going to say like there were X-Wings and Y-Wings in the uh, Rebel Navy. What are And there were three other known um, ships that were named after letters. What are the other uh, ships? And so the different ships are X-Wing, Y-Wing, A-Wing, B-Wing, and U-Wing. If you listen, I just gave you answers. Just a little incentive to always be catching up with this podcast. Anyways, moving right along. Uh, I would say the most iconic ship in all of Star Wars would be the Millennium Falcon, which is my favorite ship, just because I'm basic. But it has been since I was a kid. I love it so much. I have a giant toy version of it, and it's just so cool. So the Millennium Falcon was a Karelian YT-1300F life freighter. Um, And it was piloted at the time of the uh, original trilogy by Han Solo and Chewbacca. And previously, it was owned by Lando Calrissian, who... uh, lost the ship to Han Solo in a game of Sabacc, which is a card game uh, which we see happen in uh, Solo, a Star Wars story. And we, uh, the Millennium Falcon is just an awesome ship. It's the fastest, it's one of the fastest ships that we know. We know that it made the Kessel Run in less than 12 parsecs. Um, and it's just the most, it's, it's in my logo or my little graphic that I have for my, uh, podcast. I put the Millennium Falcon in there, and so if you, if you forget what it looks like, that's it right there. Um, we also have snow speeders, which we see uh, utilized in Episode Five: Empire Strikes Back at the very beginning uh, on Hoth, whenever they are taking down the ATAT walkers. Um, there are also Mon Calamari. Uh, class cruisers, which we see utilized by a majority of the fleet. Those are the big capital ships that the Rebellion utilized, um, like the one that was helmed by Admiral Akbar in Episode Six: Return of the Jedi. Those are the big, kind of like almost round-looking ships. Uh, they, they're super cool. They have very sleek designs, and so those were uh, uh, designed by the people of Moncala known as the Mon Calamari. Those are the goldfish-looking guys. Um, and then we also have the Tainted Four, which was a CR-90 Corvette. Uh, that, that's the very first ship that we ever see in Star Wars, in Episode Four, A New Hope. And it's, um, it's what Princess Leia was uh, being transported on whenever she was boarded by Darth Vader uh, and captured at the beginning of A New Hope. And so uh, that was... Uh, it's... it's I'm pretty sure an Alderanian uh, style ship that was um, uh, at that one, the Tainted Four was uh, used by the Organa family. And so, and then lastly, and this is a Rebels ship, but it still ties into the original trilogy, which is the Ghost, which was a modified VCX 100 light freighter, which was utilized by the Ghost team uh, and Star Wars Rebels uh, helmed by uh, Captain Harrison Dula, um, and it's just a super unique ship, which I really love the design of, and I do really enjoy Star Wars Rebels, and eventually I will have uh, someone on here to help me out uh, with the fa- their favorite things about Star Wars Rebels, and I will bring you a Star Wars Rebels roadmap eventually as well. 
Uh, and also the ghost had like a small attack uh, shuttle within it called the Phantom. It's a really cool deal that it can kind of detach from. It's, it's awesome. Uh, and then lastly, um, we have the Slave One, which uh, has caused some controversy recently. I'm not going to get into that. But that is Boba Fett's ship that he utilizes. So that is a modified um, Fire Spray 31 class patrol and attack craft. Uh, it's the one that kind of uh, goes up, like it starts off uh, horizontal, and then it comes up vertical and flies away. It has a very iconic sound to it. Uh, we see it also utilized by Boba's father, uh, Django, in Episode 2. It's a really cool ship. And um, so, yeah, that's the Slave 1, and it's a very infamous ship, and I'd say arguably one of the more iconic ships that aren't like utilized by a navy so i'd say that it's probably only second to the millennium falcon as far as its a recognizability so that's all that i have today uh if you notice that i miss any significant ships feel free to email in uh, twinsuntalks at gmail.com or comment on instagram dm me on instagram or at twinsuntalks um, or comment on our youtube channel um, which is twinsuntalks podcast uh contact me any way you would like and i can uh read it out on this podcast, give you credit if you'd like. And I'm always open for any corrections that y'all may have for me. Uh, that being said, this would not be a proper episode if I didn't leave you with just a little bit more. So for the more today, I have that Michael Jackson was good friends with George Lucas and he attempted to secure a role in Star Wars as Jar Jar Binks in The Phantom Menace but Lucas ultimately casted the iconic Ahmed Best for the role instead. Um, so I just found that rather uh, interesting and it's pretty entertaining. Uh, fun fact, side, side note, that uh, Michael Jackson also attempted to buy the Spider-Man franchise just to cast himself as Spider-Man um, in any Spider-Man movies that were going to be made. And I think that that is absolutely baller. And that is all I will say about that. Anyways... Uh, that's all that I have for this episode today, friends. I really hope that y'all enjoyed it and found it informative. Um, this week, if y'all are keeping up with the Bad Batch reviews, I probably, I definitely won't have it out by this Friday. It'll probably be out Sunday at the earliest, but um, probably not even then. I'm going to be very tired. I have a long week. Uh, I'm on a work trip, and I... Uh, so I, I appreciate y'all's patience, but it probably won't be out until probably sometime early next week, either that or maybe Sunday. Uh, but anyways, you've taken your first steps into a larger world. May the force be with you, and I really uh, can't wait to talk at y'all in the next episode. Bye, friends.